Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to part four. It is April 14th. Friday at the time of recording, it's playoff preview time once again on the Locked On Blazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for the Associated Press, Blazers Edge, and former Blazers beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian, and your host of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have a wide variety of podcasts covering the NBA, the NFL. Lots of you know individual podcasts for every team. Uh, nobody provides this type of coverage except for the Lockdown Podcast Network. So uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for uh, listening to this playoff preview. I hope you've enjoyed all of the various uh, facets of the preview. We had Corbin Smith on from Vice Sports in the Willamette Week. We had James Holas from B-Ball Breakdown. Uh, and then we had Danny LaRue from the Dunked On Basketball Podcast and also the host of Locked On Warriors, which uh, I thought was a really uh, fun podcast because we got that, uh, you know, local perspective uh, from from someone who really scrutinizes the, the Warriors a lot. I thought that was a really fun conversation. Uh, and then for this podcast, the final part, part four of our playoff preview, we bring it back to... The Blazers. And I had my sometimes co-host on this podcast, Dane Carbaugh, on the show. So we went deep on this. We both feel a little bit differently. We both have different perspectives on the Blazers, but we kept it more focused on that. Uh, and Dane, obviously, you know, being the film study guy that he is, uh, you know, has a really unique perspective, too, on you know, the, just tactically, you know, what it is that the Warriors do, uh, you know, and you can find his video stuff and his NBA glossary stuff at Dane, not Dan at, on YouTube uh, and also on NBC's Pro Basketball Talk. So uh, really fun conversation, and I, I hope you enjoy that. However, the reason that I waited to post the podcast with Dane until today, Friday, we recorded this on Thursday night, uh, was because we were scheduled to get an official update on the status of Portland center Yusuf Nurkic on Friday after the Blazers practice. We got that today. And that update is, is that there is no update. Uh, unsurprising as that this is how 
uh, under Neil O'Shea, kind of how the Blazers play it. They are, are very coy. They are very quiet. One of my initial reactions to the uh, update that St- Nurkish's status is undetermined was it kind of reminded me of a couple of years ago when Aaron Aflalo hurt his shoulder right before the postseason and then you know, there was that open-ended, well, will Aflalo play or will he not play? Obviously, the impact that Aflalo can make is a lot less than what Nurkic can make. So that, uh, you know, probably that uncertainty carries a little bit more weight when it's Nurkic and a guy that is such a big impact player for this Blazers team, whereas, you know, you had Aflalo there, you couldn't really say that about him. So in that sense, it reminds me of that. And in the other sense, it reminds me of it is that you know, they could just be slow playing it to just make the uh, Warriors game plan a little bit differently. And again, that is where Nurkic being more important than Aflalo was to that Blazers team two seasons ago comes in because now the challenge of, of preparing for two separate teams is a lot more drastic because the difference between the two teams is is a lot more a lot bigger. So, uh, a couple of things before we get into the conversation with Dane, where you know we talked about Nurkic probably not being there, but we talked about you know the if, and that's kind of how it's going to be throughout this series, I think, until he sees the floor. And uh, Nurkic said, you know, it's undecided if he's going to play. Another thing that he said uh, is, if it's up to him, he plays. He would play. But, uh, you know, is it going to be up to him? And I don't necessarily know that that's going to be the case because, uh, I, you know, it will be up to him. It's his body. But I think the, the, the medical staff will have a, a much, a, you know, a very large say in what happens. Uh, he, Nurkic told reporters that he didn't know much about the results. Uh, you know, I'm just, you know, recapping what was reported at the practice today. Uh, but it's not a surprise that they're being really they're playing it coy right now. And they're, they're not going to reveal their hand because they don't have any incentive to reveal their hand. There's no, in a series where you're at an immense disadvantage already, it doesn't make any sense to tip your, you know, tip your hand, what you're going to do. So the warriors are still in the dark. We are still in the dark on what use of Nurkic is going to be able to do. If I had to guess, I would guess that he does not play in game one. Uh, I, the most likely scenario that I'm feeling right now is he either waits a couple more days and plays in game two, or they wait and just say, we're going to try and we're going to do our best at Oracle for games one and two. And we're going to maybe hope that Nurkic can come back in game three or game four and game three isn't until Saturday, so that's another eight days that he would have to uh, get right for that. So uh, maybe that is is ultimately the path that they will take. And right now, they're just strategically saying that he's not going to be out. But ultimately, you know, we do not know, and only they know. So adding a little bit of a little bit more suspense to uh, this first round matchup and game one is: Will Nurkic play? Won't he play? And uh, I do know that, uh, you know, a lot of people and, and Joe Freeman, uh, wrote about this, uh, bringing up the, 
you know, historic example of Brandon Roy coming back in game four of the Blazers Suns series in 2010, I believe it was coming back after, you know, when his knee was not right and, 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 and playing hurt. And, you know, we kind of all know how that can go, but at the same time, uh, I wonder if that is, is, is the, the still, uh, you know, does that concern, I, I, I don't necessarily have that concern as much about the Blazers medical staff as it is now, because the medical staff that they have now is different than the one that they had when Roy was here, when Odin was here, when all those guys were here. And, uh, people still get hurt there's no way around that when you're playing a contact sport but uh i do think that just based off of their track record and what they've done as a training staff you know i i think that they will ultimately make the right medical decision and i don't think that they're gonna they're gonna put him in harm's way especially if, you know if they really believe that he's a guy for them that he's a part of their future and part of their big three I don't think that they would do anything reckless just to increase their chances. And we talk about that. We talk about the debate Dane and I do on this podcast. So uh, the the Nurkic update is that there is no update. He, apparently, his you know his leg has gotten better. That but to what extent we do not know. And so we are still in the dark. Everyone's still in the dark about that. So. We'll see how that goes. Uh, so we don't have any clear uh, idea about Nurkic, and that is all we know for now. I would not anticipate that we will get one uh, in between now and Sunday. So uh, I think this is what it's going to be, and we'll we'll see uh, how it unfolds. But there is a little bit of drama now, and uh, already you're seeing the, the mind games between the – uh, Blazers and Warriors. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but that is the only update. Uh, another update is that Alan Crabb officially confirmed to reporters that he will play in game one as I suspected he would after they rested him for, uh, the last week of the season. So they're going to have Crabb healthy and Nurkic's status is still in doubt. So yeah, uh, going to be interesting. Uh, an, added wrinkle of drama uh with the Nurkic thing it's going to be fun to watch throughout the series uh and it's going to have our attention but uh without any further ado I will leave it to the last portion of our Locked On Blazers playoff preview with my co-host Dane Carbaugh from NBC's Pro Basketball Talk and Dane Not Dan on YouTube. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, it's much more Blazers-centric uh, than I think the other three podcasts were. So get ready for the playoffs. Enjoy. Have fun. It's going to be a great like 15 hours of basketball this weekend. So enjoy it. Take your time. Maybe take a nap. Skip some Eastern Conference games, whatever. So uh, until next time, which will be after game one. So I hope you enjoy this four-part playoff preview, and we will see you after game one when we have more news and some adjustments to address. So until next time, I hope you enjoy the conversation with Dane Carbaugh. Hello and welcome to another edition of our Locked On Blazers playoff preview 
and I'm joined by my co-host on this great podcast on Lockdown Blazers, Dan Carbaugh from Dane Not Dan on YouTube and NBC's Pro Basketball Talk. What up, Dan? How are you? Doing pretty good. Glad we finally made it to the playoffs, and I, I, I you would uh, struggle to tell December, Dane, that we would be in this position, actually, even talking about playoffs at this point in time, and not just uh, making plans for the, the draft and the, the three uh, picks that Neil O'Shea has. So uh, here we are, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nurkic fever made us like go under, and we were delirious, and now we just, we're here now. And then Nurkic just ended like it's kind of like the Hangover. Like Nurkic is like on, you know, where where's Nurkic? Like it's kind of like where we're at right now. Um, and as we are recording this right now, we don't know what his status is. And I think it's safe to say, you know, barring whatever surprise we get, mm-hmm. I I'm feeling real uncomfortable. <laughs> about about playing him <laughs> like I, I the more i think about it the more i'm just like eh, maybe not i i think it's an interesting position to be in for uh, and this is why people who run a you know pro sports teams are typically um probably maybe a little bit smarter than i think folks give them a little credit for because the situation they're in here is personally as a basketball, you know, I mean, professional basketball analyst and everything, I'm looking at it like I have no reason to play Yusuf Nurkic. None. He he had a, a, a fracture in his leg. Uh, we think that he could be the guy for this team. We don't want to squander uh, the potential for that. Why on earth? Why on earth would we put him back, even if he was ready? Why, who cares? Give, give his leg more time to heal so that he doesn't have to – so the Warriors don't attack him directly and get him into foul trouble and he's not actually useful. And meanwhile, he's putting undue stress on that leg. Or what is a whole other, you know, four more months of rest going to do him? Only good. You're going to lose the series. That's how I feel about it. I have no reason to play Yusuf Nurkic. But the flip side of that is you have all these – it's a uh, – you couldn't you couldn't do that to the fans specifically that that's one thing they'd have to consider and that's a weird you know that's a very um almost like NBA 2K video game style of thinking to think about it these are real people real human beings if Nurkic is ready and wants to play that's like a that's like a real life human being who's like hey I I, I want to play and the coach is like I don't Terry Stotts wants to win the series as best as he can. He'd be like, I'd, I'd like to play Yusuf Nurkic. So obviously this, we're talking about a decision would come down from higher above that to say no. So it's like you have to consider those things, those real factors into it. Um, and so I think if he's ready, yeah, he'll he'll end up playing. Um, I still don't still don't know if that'll really matter. I think I was talking to uh, Kurt Heelan about this on the NBC Sports Pro Basketball uh, podcast earlier today about I think it maybe maybe they can catch fire. Uh, Portland has a game they can catch fire if Nurkic is not in foul trouble and actually healthy. Although I think the Warriors will specifically target him either in the fast break or to get him in foul trouble and get him out of the game. But if they can't, so probably it would be like game three. First game back at the Moda, use of Nurkic back and the Blazers have a good stra- offensive strategy, that would be the game that I think they would win. Then maybe we have a five-game series. But if not, um, I mean, I'm looking at it as a sweep. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, 
I'm, I'm thinking about, I've been thinking about this series a lot, obviously, as we all have, I guess, or maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I was thinking about this series without Nurkic because uh-huh. I, I don't want to necessarily entertain that possibility when the track, yeah. I've been thinking about this series a lot without Nurkic because I don't really think that he's going to play. Mm-hmm. And I'm convincing myself a little bit that with how the Warriors start games and they uh-huh. ins- and Kerr insists on starting uh, uh-huh. Zaza Pachulia, which is something that we talked about. Uh, on the podcast with Danny LaRue that I talked about with him, that he he thinks he's probably going to start Zaza. Myers can kind of... I don't like Zaza guarding Myers. Like, mm. if I'm Golden State. Like, obviously, I, I think that you know, Portland could go small and maybe start Vonley, but, like, then you risk getting him in foul trouble and not being able to at all keep up with second units for the Warriors when if they go to Draymond at the five, what have you. I think Myers has an opportunity here if he makes some shots to cause problems. And I think I, – I, Are you are you hinging – it has happened before, but are you hinging a sliver of hope without Nurkic on Myers hitting a bunch of threes, being confidently hitting a bunch of threes to win in one Oracle? To win, to one, win game, one game. To win one game. Or are you saying – I feel like I feel like in that specific scenario – that performance has to come at Oracle, though, in the first two games. I mean, they can't right. come in Moda. No, I, I, I think, I think, I think the first two games at Oracle. I think the first two games at Oracle without Nurkic are the most uh-huh. winnable games for the Blazers. Like, if there is no Whoa. Nurkic return, I Whoa. don't think they have a great shot at winning I, at home. Because I think okay. if they lose we're, both games, I, I, if we're they, recording this late at night. I'm kind of tired. I am now fully awake. <laughs> I am fully awake. I've been thinking about the playoffs for way too long. Way, way too long, man. So you need to unlock the door and get out of the room you're in because you go go see some daylight or something, man. Okay, you think that the most winnable games? Are you putting into? Are you putting that only on the Blazers, or are you saying there's some kind of uh, lack of uh, sense of urgency from the course of the Warriors? Because I agree with you in that uh, the way that those games have started, there has been some quarters, especially the first, say, quarter, quarter and a half for the Blazers games versus Golden State this year, even when they got blown out by like 23 or something, you know, those games have felt like, ooh, the, you know, the Blazers have a little bit of firepower going, here here we go, here we go, and then of course they get smoked the last two quarters. You know, Even the game, and are you saying that could snowball or what's happening? I'm not necessarily saying it could snowball into like an extended part of an extended stretch of winning. I think, well, I mean, I think snowballing for me is like winning more than a quarter. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well, I think, sorry, I I, I put it at two. I put it at two, two quarters. I I think it could for a game because I think, I mean, Golden State's defense is is phenomenal. They are great, but it is hard to stay in front. If you can stay in front of CJ and Dame, uh, that's going to take a lot out of you. And Myers, that game against Utah when Dame had 59, like a lot of that, Myers deserved a lot more credit for that game and getting Dame rolling than he got credit for. And I think if you're going to turn these guys loose in a scenario without Nurkic, Danny LaRue said it best. There's an upside to having Leonard out there and shooting three-pointers that – he doesn't, you know, he's not great at everything else, but 
there is something there that and and like that one Rockets game where the Rockets won at Oracle where they just jacked up a ton of threes mm-hmm. like that is kind of the hope for Portland to win a game. Well, I think I wonder then if at that that point in time, the only way that happens, though, is I mean, even after watching a million Rockets games this year, watching that specific game, that Warriors Rockets game, there seemed to be almost a a frantic effort to to make those passes early. Harden specifically making outlet passes from the free throw line or 10 feet before the timeline, something like that to get those threes up. So uh, obviously when you go into a series – and it changes game to game, but when you go into a series, a lot of teams have, or coaches will have a specific series uh, mindset, series coaching plan. And that could be the coaching plan for the Blazers. Just like run them out of the gym as fast as you possibly can. Get your threes up as fast as you possibly can. That would be weird because the Blazers don't have as many outlet guys who can shoot. Mm-hmm. It would have to be like Mo and CJ or Damian, one outletting to the other. But, Crap. you know. Yeah, I yeah, crab too. I guess I'm sorry. Um, I'm still thinking about him not playing. Uh, yeah, because he uh, I, I guess he will. Yeah, he will obviously for the um for the playoffs. So I think it's yeah, it's possible. I think uh, I I think the important part of this conversation really is just I mean, you guys can't see us, but I'm taking a fake crown off my head. I'm handing it through video to Gunderson. He is now president of the Myers Leonard Fan Club. I have been absolved i don't know if you guys have noticed i haven't really talked about myers that much this season on twitter uh gunderson giving him reign to win a game against the warriors in the playoffs i am now vp uh maybe janitor i don't know i don't know what i am but you are definitely the king my friend well i i I just don't see i i'm not seeing any uh, okay there probably there aren't actually any credible avenues without nurkish for them to get a win however yeah, they, they there is a variance with Leonard that just doesn't exist with other with the, with with Noah or or even say Aminu like because because Myers his release is super slow. I get that. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors are super fast. So they can close out on him and make him do stuff. But he has been a little bit better at like taking that one dribble pull up. He like mm. he's not, you know, I, I think on on the offensive end. If you can match his minutes up with Zaza's minutes or JaVale's minutes, if Kerr insists on going to those guys, which I think is a very big possibility because Warriors fans are like always picking apart Steve Kerr's decisions and the whole, you know, him not using their best lineups all the time and stuff like that. And I think if you can match up Leonard's minutes with JaVale or Zaza, who Zaza, not really the most mobile, JaVale, not the most attentive or good defender you or even like a McAdoo guy like I I think there is a little chance there to make something out of that even though Nurkic isn't there just because Myers could make some shots and, and okay mostly for the big guy not I love you I love you telling me you're just sweet salty lies but uh, really okay I'll I'll play the game I'll play the game then because I'm with you in the fact that if, if I'm saying that you could create a and they will obviously. Stereotypes will have a very uh, clear, um, you know, when, when we see the offense play the first four or five possessions, we'll see exactly what it, what what the plan is. But um, if it is and does uh, being something that's like running, and then like or like a quick drag, like one five screen roll, and Myers just like gets it out because obviously uh, what I think it was like four four games ago, I forget what game it was, but like Myers had a couple possessions on threes where he uh, hesitates. 
and and Brittany is sitting next to me and has for the last two weeks or something and basically is telling me like he has I don't think he has ever made a three pointer when he hesitates ever. And I'm like, I think you might be right. I think you might almost literally be right. Yeah. And so and so part of his part of his slow release is his hesitation. It's it's like he's like still thinking while he gathers when he doesn't think when he gathers, it's a lot quicker. And not and and especially in terms of if you're not getting closed out by Draymond, if you're getting closed out by Zaza, okay, well that makes all the world. That makes all the difference in the world. Okay, so if the plan is to run down, shoot threes, drag screen, one five pick and roll, Myers gets a shot up because Terry is saying because Terry pulled him aside. I forget what game it was, the Timberwolves game maybe or something or the Jazz game. Pulled him aside and said, shoot the basketball. I have to like you could hear him yelling it before they call the timeout. Call the timeout immediately like before they cut they you know the the broadcast cut to him. They're talking. So, and obviously the last three games or so, two maybe two games, he's been getting it out a lot quicker. Like, he's been shooting away. Now, some of those are garbage time games, but whatever. He's obviously, you know, uh, paying attention to his coaching. So, if you add that in, if he's been essentially given, look, this is your part of the, the offensive plan for this series. Like, we don't have Nurkic, you're part of the offensive plan. I need you to shoot the basketball as soon as you can. All right, fine. I mean, like I was joking about on Twitter yes, last night, but like, it, I you know SSOL like seven seconds a letter like get Myers letter a shot in seven seconds like just jack it up dude I don't know like all right so I'll 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 play with you in that in that I think that's entirely possible that ends up being at least a portion of the game plan and could give uh, the Warriors some situational um, uh, matchups to try to adjust from quarter to quarter. Okay. Ready? Good. So seven seconds or Leonard. I, 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 I guess I am. I'm taking. I guess I'm taking over th- that house. I, I, I guess yeah. it just it's, it's the one way, and it was the only game without Nurkic that they had success in was the game where Myers played well, and so. You know that I mean not with you know when Damian and CJ and those guys were playing like. I mean, they did have that game where Crab went crazy against Minnesota, but like the game where the team I thought looked the best was the game where Myers, they were running that one five pick and roll. They were making Gobert come out to the three point line and, and, and trying to, you know, do that. And as long as Zaza and JaVale are on the court, I think it's a feasible strategy and you got to force Kerr to, you know, 
maybe it's not the best idea to force core, force Kerr into the Draymond at center lineup, but that it's going to get there eventually. So you might as well get that ball rolling. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a weird one for sure. I think uh, the, uh, the crux of this conversation, really the, the reason why we're having this conversation is because you have to dig down to every little itty bitty piece and try to find, essentially find hope for Blazers fans. I know I didn't start off very positive because I'm not very positive in general, but I think what you're doing rightfully so is what the coaches for the Blazers will be doing, which is we have to find a way to, w- to win this series sometime. Like, it's it's like the talking to Damian thing. It's like, oh, like Damian Lillard says Blazers in six. And it's like, yeah, because what is he going to say? Warriors in four? No, that's not how well, – why would anybody react that way? No, you're going to try to win. Why not Why not try to win? I mean, it's happened very rarely, but 2007 was a thing, you know, the, with the Warriors. So, um, I don't know. Like, yeah, get it popping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's their job. And, and I think another guy I – mean, what do you think about – I've been thinking about a, a lot about – I, I talked about Leonard, but another guy that I thought a lot about, and he had a great game in the closest game in the regular season between these two teams, is Evan Turner, another guy who's been very polarizing that I think may be more useful in this series than he was in the regular season because mm-hmm. the the Warriors do have the guys that can dis, you know, kind of take CJ and Dame out of things at times. And, and and they didn't have a guy that could create other than Mason Plumley, but Plumley couldn't score. So mm. now you have a guy that can at least get to that mid-range jumper and it's it is somewhat of a threat and Turner having good games is uh, another thing, Nurkic or no Nurkic that the Blazers are going to need, I think, to to win a game in this series because that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about Portland winning the series we're just talking about them not getting swept which as you wrote for uh the the oracle arena and the nba or have already planned for a sweep the, the, <laughs> there's a chance the rapper show at oracle the night that game five is supposed to be played which is just hilarious uh yeah. and i think i i kind of want to just if nothing else i kind of just want to see that quagmire uh, yeah, <laughs> for the the Oracle schedulers. But what do you think about Turner in this series? I I feel the same way I felt about him over the course of the year, and that he he had a very clear mark about uh, seven or eight weeks in, something like that, where he it was very clear that he needed to do something specific, and that's get to his spot on the floor. He's not a good free throw rate guy, not for how much he handles the ball. You know, in terms of if you think he's a driver and you think he's a ball handler and distributor, his free throw rate is uh, uh, 0.187, which is a terrible, essentially terrible. Uh, so if, if he's not drawing free throws and getting to the line, then he has to do something else. Now, when I watched a lot of his possessions, his shots from the restricted area to like 15 or 16 feet, the ones where he, he was the most successful were where he was clearly dribbling to usually to the right side of the um, free throw line uh, to take that jumper. He was specifically going to that spot. When he was worse was when he wanted to go to that spot or was like, I'll drive in that direction. I'll see what the defense gives me. And he ends up a, like a step back or a step in from that. Those shots were where he was like, wasn't being purposeful with his drive. He was like, oh, I'll just like I'll be you know fluid with it. Those were the ones with like, eh, no, not a good shot because it wasn't. Um, he's very much a rhythm shooter, as much as that's like a hacky thing to say. Mm-hmm. He very specifically needs to plan his shots. I mean, you see a lot of his his like fadeaways on the wing are like you can see him come from a mile away. It's like you know, dribble, back pivot, 
uh, lean in on the left side, step back, shoot it. It's like it's like it's like just slow motion, but it's hard. It's a little hard to block, you know. So, but and he's kind of good at it. So when he plans those things, he's very much of a planned shooter. I think that that's very valuable to the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know since he's been back. I haven't seen him be as uh, clearly decisive with those shots as I'd like him to be. I've seen him slip back into that sort of, oh, I'll just take it, whatever, and I'm at like eight feet, and I'm shooting like a little like uh, leaner towards the basket, and it's like flat, and oh my god, I barely hit rim. Like, you know, I've seen more of those than I'd like to see if I'm the Blazers. So if he can get into that rhythm, and and again, if Terry can can give him something specifically to do in the game plan, which I think is very likely, say, look. Uh, in this lineup, you're going to go here, and I need you to make sure you get to that spot, which is what the Blazers training staff should be doing, but or um, the coaching staff should be doing. But uh, if if he's not, then I think yeah, it kind of ends up being maybe being a sore spot for Blazers fans. Yeah, that's a really interesting. Uh, that's a great point that you brought up about his free throw rate and that game that I referenced where he had probably his best game, well, one of his best games of the season. He didn't get to the free throw line once. <laughs> he, he had eighteen. What a weird player. He, he had eighteen points on eight of seventeen shooting, six assists, and didn't take a free throw. So, yeah, they that does hurt the fact that he handles the ball so much it doesn't get to the line. Uh, and and I think he's gonna have uh, you know, he could have he's gonna get a chance to do important stuff in this series because they're gonna. I think eventually the Warriors are gonna go to that depth lineup. They're gonna have. You know, they could potentially put like Durant and Clay on CJ and Dame, and then then you know maybe <coughs> um, you know Turner can kind of post up on Steph mm-hmm. and make things happen that way. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, the Blazers have a lot of options. I think it's just that. The, the plan, uh, the plan for teams like that over the course of the regular season, I think people don't really realize. And and I, again, I'm not trying to give Blazers more more hope than they should, but is that you have more time to plan for these things when it comes to the playoffs. So in the course of the regular season, it's like, hey, I think we're going to try to do this, this, this game, and you know, whatever. For the for a um, for a, a series, especially, you have you have a minimum of four games, and like, I mean, the second game is like not until Wednesday or something. You have all this time to plan and rewatch it, you know, only 48 minutes of tape or whatever. It's crazy. So you get to go back and plan and say, okay, you can build out uh, more things to do for more guys. And that way, maybe it makes it a little bit harder for teams like the Warriors, who are a top defensive team, to be able to disrupt the one little wrinkle you added, you're added four wrinkles. Okay, so it's like it's Myers is doing this, Turner's doing this, Harkless, you're going to be here for this, to, you know, on, on these drives, whatever. Um, okay, maybe that's a little bit different, and so you're able to get out of that because I feel like the Blazers have come into these Warriors games with a little bit of a plan, and then the Warriors are so good on defense, they just kind of like disrupt them and dismantle them, and it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, the, I mean, the Warriors are going to unleash havoc. It's just when. It's when are they going to do it? And, and and that, I think, is a big question. And I think that is a question that, you know, however that gets answered, is it immediately? Is it uh, later on in the series? Are they going to slow play? Are they going to try and limit those minutes so they don't over-rev those guys for when they need them in the, in the, the next series and the next series and the next series? I, I think whenever they decide to kind of flip that switch, I, I think it, it is going to be a, a big turning point. But maybe Portland forces them into that. And then that I think is kind of your ideal scenario. If you're Portland that 
you force the Warriors to go to their go-go lineups in this series and force them to beat you with their best hand. Because that's, yeah. that, that I think is the, it should be the goal for this Blazers team. And I think they do have the tools to at least do that. Because it is, like you said, they can build out different schemes for different guys. They can add more little wrinkles to everything that maybe they didn't have in the regular season. And, and, and things are just a lot tighter. And the Warriors are a very loose team. They all get along. Obviously, Durant fits seamlessly. I think things are going to work out very well for them. But <laughs> it is... Uh, it is the playoffs and, and it is kind of, it's a little bit more of a pressure cooker and it does help when you have guys like CJ and Dame who can really get going. And one of the things that I've talked about and the more I've talked about, maybe I've, I've softened on this take, but I still feel pretty strongly about it is that I think that the Warriors are going to put clay on Dame to start Mm -hmm. and the Warriors do do a lot of switching you know, can Portland generate scenarios to get CJ McCollum one-on-one against Steph? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think Steph can guard him. And CJ is, is phenomenal. And he didn't really have that great of a series last time around against the Warriors. And, and, and nobody really shot that well against the Warriors because the Warriors are great. Uh, but they did shoot well from three. And I think CJ in the last series, in my opinion, I think it was a little bit harder for him to get loose almost when Sean Livingston was guarding him than when Steph was guarding him. And so even as counterintuitive as that is, that Steph Curry being in the lineup makes it easier for Portland, I think it makes it easier for C.J. McCollum. And and I think that he has an opportunity to really have some really big games in this series, is in in those Steph matchups when when they do, you know, down the stretch. I really think that, you know, Dame is the guy. It is Lillard time. But C.J. has been so great in the clutch. And I think... You know he is going to be just as big of a part uh, of Portland having any success as anything because he can really go to work on Steph. I think I think that's one place where Portland really can exploit one of the few weaknesses that Golden State has. Yeah, and we've been down in the weeds a little bit on this podcast, but I think obviously the main concern for the Blazers, the Blazers don't win unless usually unless both Damian and CJ are having a good game. Obviously that's changed a little bit with how much Lillard had picked up in the last third of the season or something and playing more like himself, a little more explosivity off that foot and so forth. But um, yeah, I think for the Blazers to win, they need those two guys to be good and to, to succeed and find those mismatches. You're exactly right about the Livingston thing. That's the same thing I thought. And I think finding a way to switch them on you because the Warriors do switch a lot because they're, they're so um, maybe enamored with their own sort of versatility, but finding a way to get Steph on him specifically, I'm sure there are video guys watching tape of, you know, Steph, running around with with some off guard and the, the few scenarios which they actually got him switched the Blazers say all right what movement on our offense could like mirrors that we can then uh program that in to say like all right let's get Steph on to cj for these one-on-one opportunities or these or these one four pick and rolls one five pick and rolls opportunities once he's switched on to him make it a little bit easier for cj because i think you're right on that aspect yeah and and you know we talked about myers uh i i think von lay is also going to have an, an opportunity whenever they downsize to that Draymond lineup. I think, I think, no, I think Vonley is going to get a shot in those lineups. And I do like the way that he's played. I mean, one of the, the, the lone positive of the whole Nurkic not being in there thing is that Portland has had an opportunity to take their small lineups out for a test drive. Mm-hmm. And 
and Vonley has gotten more reps and just looked a lot better. And and physically, he matches up, but it's not, uh, you know, it physically matches up. I actually think that, I mean, he's going to, I think they're still going to start Vonley and, and Leonard. And I think Noah is going to get a shot to, I mean, he's going to probably guard Kevin Durant. My God. Oh my I mean, God. He did guard Giannis. Uh, like whenever the, when the bucks were here. So I okay. mean, that, that was my, cause I, the Portland doesn't have a matchup for Durant. So like, I guess you go with Vonley. Like, what, well, what, they, what, well, they've, they've tried to put, they've tried to put Harkless on him in the past, but foul trouble ends up, I think hurting you sort of, a, uh, about, uh, you know, factor it too a little bit by not being able to play Harkless on offense, which you desperately need with a you not being able to shoot. So uh, I feel like uh, here's the thing. My thing for this whole series is um, that I think it would be great to have. We've had a lot of entertaining games between these teams for the first, like I said, the first quarter, sometimes two quarters of these games. They've been entertaining for, you know, most of them. I think when it comes to the playoffs, we have two different scenarios. One is what you're talking about a little bit where it's possible that the Warriors are uh, either um, less concerned or not as quite locked in or they're simply resting a little bit for the next se- uh, next series or whatever because they have a long ways to go. Um, any of those things, that's entirely possible. Mixed with the matchup things we've been talking about so far in terms of running, using Myers Leonard, getting switches off of CJ McCollum to, to get Steph onto him, things like that. That's And I think, I feel like, not to go totally weird with it, but I feel like that's sort of one option and one scenario in itself. If that doesn't happen, I'm worried that this series is going to be unwatchable because I think the other side of the Warriors is a top defensive team. Blazers doesn't have the player that made them any good, and they also don't have the guy who is passing like crazy to make them good before that they traded for. So they have a lot of things missing from their offense. They have a lot of things the Warriors, just like other teams in the playoffs did last season, they could trap the hell out of Damian and CJ. They could go crazy on them. So I'm worried that this ends up as a scenario where, okay, the Warriors aren't necessarily going off, and Steph isn't like, you know, doing you know no look passes to the corner where guys are getting threes or whatever so it's like it's not the normal warriors just sort of like i don't know trundling along and the blazers meanwhile like look like they can't hold on to the basketball they can't get a three up cj shoots 18 percent from three point range something it's gonna like a it's gonna be a dismantling and they're gonna score like 89 points or 93 points a couple of games so i'm worried that those are the two two options and we're not gonna get i'm worried that it's gonna be the second one because they're gonna lose and it won't be any fun for Blazers fans to watch, and they're going to be really disheartened as the season ends. That's my sort of call for the series. I think it's—I think you're right. It's one of those two things. I hope it's the second one. I hope it's the one where you get to see a lot of the things you saw at the end of last year, where it's like, oh, Mark, Mo Harkless had a great like playoffs, and that like really solidified his value, and that's great for the next season going forward. And I like that as a fan. And uh, now we know that like, okay, so like the the Blazers like. They got trapped all, you know, so they needed to add a different ball handler. So to get it out of Damian CJ's hands, so they added Evan Turner. And, like, you can see all these things progress as opposed to it sort of being a very weird season, to be honest, and then ending kind of like, you know, like a fart. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I think ultimately, I mean, it's going to end in a fart no matter what. Uh, you know, <laughs> Golden State will win this series. I, I, don't, I don't have any doubt about that. But I – 
Yeah, no, it's a good point because Golden State, who knows? Maybe they do what they did to Houston last year and put the screws on them. But I thought, you know, Houston did have some moments where they kind of were close even last year, and I think they won a game. So, uh, I mean, Steph did get hurt, so that's another reason why. But uh, Yeah, and now Steph is looking like the MVP, so. Yeah, but on the <laughs> other side, you know, Durant may not be 100, but he is Kevin Durant. So, yeah. um, prediction? Four. Four. Okay. I'm I, I'm in the five camp, and if Nurkic were to come back, I could entertain maybe six. But that's as – Whoa. Because Nurkic – Whoa. Nurkic, I don't, I don't buy this whole, like, all centers or fail against the Warriors. Like – No. No. Like, Nurkic is good. He's a good player and can get them back on the other end. Like, whatever their pick and roll – you know – and I don't. And he, he pulls not, things out on a string for the Blazers on offense. Yeah. So it's not just about what he physically does; it's how he moves everybody else on the floor. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he, I agree. Yeah. So I, I, I don't buy that Nurkic coming back is not going to impact things. I'm not like, I love the Warriors. I just don't think that they're that invincible. That like a guy like Nurkic wouldn't have an impact. But anything more than that, like, because I mean, man, that net rating man was good. Like it was short sample size, but they were good, man. Like, and so. And, and they can get offensive rebounds and kind of exploit that a little bit and get some extra threes. Like, that would be great, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to say five just because I, I Damian and CJ and Crab I think, could have a big game uh, in this series too because um, I talked about Turner, but if Crab's engaged defensively, then it's totally worth having him out there because when he's engaged mm-hmm. defensively, he's really, really – he's a really good player. Yeah. Well, my my prediction is four and my over under for actually quarters one is two by the Blazers. I think those end up being the first two quarters where it like it'll be like the first quarter of game three and like the second or third quarter of game four, both at home. If Nurkic comes back, that I'm I'm planning on Nurkic not coming back. So if Nurkic comes back, I think that changes a little bit. Obviously one more quarters. I still don't I still don't know with Nurkic back. I think the least likely thing is Nurkic back fully healthy, Blazers zooming away. I think that's the least likely scenario out of all three. Mm-hmm. I think the 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 most the most likely scenario is he doesn't come back at all, and the medium one is him coming back and being sort of like uh, okay, but also the Warriors having a plan for him, and they still he doesn't have an effect in terms of games one. So I still think it's a, a four game series. Yeah, if he comes back, I think it's going to be in three or four. I don't. Like I, 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 I'm obviously we're going to, we're going to have an update. You will have heard an update. So we were talking in the past, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think if he comes back, it'll be three or four, uh, Dane, uh, tell the folks where they can find your stuff, uh, throughout the postseason, And you will be here on the podcast as well throughout the playoffs. So, uh, indeed I will. Yeah. Indeed, I will. You can find me. Uh, I will be doing playoff stuff over at my YouTube channel, Dane Not Dan. Those videos will appear on NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. It's NBCSports.com slash NBA. I'll be doing some cool stuff this playoffs, uh, probably some uh, like second round playoff series previews, as well as uh, play breakdowns from specific games from the playoffs. So you'll want to check those out, all of my normal glossary stuff. Uh, obviously, I'm on Twitter, at Dan Carball, and I'll be here with you guys uh, for the Blazers playoffs on Lockdown Blazers. Excellent. So look for Dane. Keep it locked. Blazers series begins on Sunday, 
12:30 ABC game one in Oakland. Enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed the playoff preview and keep it locked. And until next time.